Hello, everyone, and thank you again for joining us for this podcast. Um, I am simply following up on our last podcast concerning what's patients got to do with it. Um, And then, again, focusing on these preparatory practices that I stated, um, I want people to think of um, Buddhism as a holistic practice in that it's an all-encompassing practice in that all aspects of our life uh, need to be within harmony, and all three aspects of our body, mind, and spirit need to be in harmony, purified, etc., in order to properly practice meditation. And this is something that we are not seeing in our modern society because a lot of time it's almost like a gimmick where they sell you meditation for better mindfulness or better understanding or to become calm. Uh, All of these are just simple side effects of the practice. But actually, we as Buddhists wish to attain, and that's why we call ourselves Buddhists, wish to understand, we believe, and wish to attain that which our founder has uh, attained. And that also, all of the previous teachers and practitioners have directed us towards. And what that means is that this holistic idea of Buddhism means that all of our body, the three aspects of the body, mind, and spirit, all need to be purified within harmony in order to have a correct practice. This is also found in yoga. Uh, There is a particular practice in Raja Yoga, uh, which specifically says that in order to even practice yoga, where most people look at yoga uh, as simply a set of stretching exercises. But actually, in the same concept of Buddhism, uh, there are also ethical Uh, concerns that need to be uh, addressed and studied in order to have the correct body, uh, correct mind, and correct spirit in order to have, uh, to be able to practice the dhyana or to practice the concentration and insight, shikan, correctly. And one of the first practices that I'd like everyone to engage in and to look into are the five precepts. Now, this is something that in Nichiren Buddhism and modern Nichiren Buddhism is not uh, taught readily. Uh, we have the one uh, precept, what they call the Diamond Chalice, that is to simply uphold the Dharma, the correct Dharma, that of the Lotus Sutra. However, um, in Nichiren Shonen's time, and hence Nichiren Shonen followed uh, the precepts, observed the precepts, and studied the precepts within his life. However, one of the interesting points is is that some schools and some people simply, and some even religions, follow rules. Uh, but the precepts are not to be seen as rules. What they are are standards in order we look at our interaction with others. Okay, That is simply coming down to the basic concept of do unto others as you wish to have done unto yourself. But we as Buddhists go into uh, explain a little deeper than that so that we're able to contemplate on it and also to practice it in our daily life so that when we sit for meditation, our mind and uh, spirit and uh, body are purified because we have abstained and became aware aware of the the intrinsic karmic effects of these behaviors because you can't go out and uh, commit murder you can't go out and, and steal all the time and then expect to be able to uh, understand dhyana concentration, uh, to be able to get the correct meditation, the correct insight. This is one of the things that the mindfulness movement is missing. And so the five precepts are simply, I undertake to observe the rule of 
One, to abstain from taking life. Two, to abstain from taking what is not given. Three, to abstain from sensuous mixed conduct. Four, to abstain from false speech. And five, to abstain from intoxicants as tending to cloud the mind. Now, if you take this into a social concept, what it basically is, is our interactions with others. And as we know, the basic concept of cause and effect in Buddhism, that when we do something, uh, whether it's mindfully or not, uh, we have the action, uh, the karma of our actions that is created. And all, ultimately, we are a creation of those karmas in the sense that our body, uh, they call it, are attached to these skandhas, these attachments in our mind through the senses, through the, through the world, the environment, through other people, that we actually interact and um, uh, basically how our lives are created and or are lived. So I would like to go into this a little deeper uh, each one of them, but what I'd like you to do is just to memorize these first. So once again, and repeat daily, I undertake to observe the rule, to abstain from taking life, two, to abstain from taking what is not given, three, to abstain from sensuous misconduct, four, to abstain from false speech, five, to abstain from intoxicants, as tending to cloud the mind. So please take a moment, write these down, and put them somewhere near where you are studying and practicing, and in our next segment we'll go through each one separately, individually, uh, and explain them in detail so that you can uh, better perfect yourselves, your interaction with others, and that you can have a deep meditative experience. Thank you very much. Namo myoho Hello everyone and thank you again for joining us. We're picking up where we left off last time concerning the precepts. Now, as I stated before, uh, the precepts that we have are basically beginning blocks, uh, building blocks for us to practice proper meditation. And again, these are not commandments. What they are are simply uh, insights for us. Uh, standards in which we as Buddhists and which have been given to us by the Buddha for practitioners, especially that of lay practitioners, is to keep us in accord with the Dharma. That means that we're not um, doing something outside of the Dharma just because we don't know. And that also is bringing our attention to the idea that every action, especially as we'll find out in the precepts, a, con a cognitive action creates karma. Now, you may or may not have heard me say before that Buddhism, specifically the concept of karma, which differs from the concept of the Vedic karma as this kind of uh, universal law. And Buddhism, actually, it is a cognitive action. Now, that cognitive action, how it's carried out or how it's done, is, is, in, is, uh, doesn't matter. The point is, is that whenever there's a cognitive action, uh, that creates karma. So it's not an action of uh, happenstance or uh, instinct, etc., or by accident. It's something that has to do with, the, especially in the human realm, which we're seen as a cognitive realm. And the other thing is, is that just to keep you aware that the perfection of these precepts doesn't naturally demonstrate attainment. So there are some schools that actually focus specifically on the precepts and level the idea of of following the precepts 
as being uh, have of having attained something, which actually, as we find out from our founder Nietzsche and Shonen, that is a misguided concept. However, the precepts, especially the five precepts that we have, are our social interaction with others. This is one aspect, the outside of ourselves, how we interrelate with other beings, especially living beings, sentient beings. Uh, and by doing this, the only way that we can truly follow and practice these precepts would be, of course, through our attainment of dhyana or concentration. Uh, and therefore, what we use them for is to prepare ourselves that we can attain a deeper insight. So as you look at, for instance, the six uh, paramitas, the second paramita is, of course, precepts. And that's because that once one develops charity, and again, Charity is an internal state, which we'll get into the next part of our, our discussion after we get through the precepts of how what we think inside, how we uh, conduct ourselves inside. And then secondary, the precepts. That means how we interact with others. Okay, And the first precept that we have is to abstain from taking life. Now, many of you have may, may have heard me state that this must be the foundation of ourselves as beings, as uh, sentient beings. Uh, and also, as you see, it's pretty much a world view in the idea of the golden rule, uh, not to do unto others, uh, do unto others as you would wish to have done unto yourself. That simply being one of them not killing, uh, because all living beings value life and wish to live. So therefore, the idea of killing, and of course there are many subtle aspects to this, in which we'll go into but the, it must be our foundation when we interact with people. And, and we'll get into that a little deeper because actually killing doesn't necessarily mean um, the action of taking a knife and physically killing someone. That is, of course, one part of it. But there are more subtle parts of taking life in which we'll see. And, and that will hopefully help you delve into even your personal relationships because we are constantly killing people. And that also means killing uh, their ability to practice, killing their ability to uh, become Buddhas by our own ignorance, by our own greed, by our own hatred, okay? The three poisons. So of the five precepts, taking life means to murder anything that lives. So that sentient beings, anything that is alive. And again, this can actually in a more profound way even mean how we use non-sentient things, but specifically the taking of life. Uh, the, of living things. Okay, this can mean striking or killing. So striking is a very interesting uh, point in the sense striking doesn't necessarily result in the exact and immediate death. However, it can contribute to it, such as we find out in our current law system, okay, such as the idea of uh, many kinds of murder. One of them, of course, being premeditated murder, in which one constantly thinks about it and then commits a murder. And the other is uh, uh, such as vehicular manslaughter, killing somebody with your car, intentional manslaughter, etc., etc. So taking life is the will. That means our conscious effort to kill anything that is living. Okay, And that is ultimately stopping it from existing. And by doing that, um, we and the chances of that sentient being uh, attaining its greatest um, uh, goal that we all have, and that's attaining enlightenment. But this can find expression in the action of the body 
or in speech. So that's why if you go to the um, eight-fold uh, path, there is a specific concept on speech and action, okay? That is very important. Um, and also the intention. Now, this, this is a different concept that we may see with other uh, ideas such as karma. So karma relates to action, okay, or kama in Pali. But actually in Buddhism, that is a cognitive action. So that means not one by accident, but one that is premeditated. And also the fact is out of ignorance, as we hear, uh, ignorance is no excuse for not following the rules or the law. So therefore, if you kill someone, even if it is not necessarily premeditated, uh, you can still be held responsible for the murder. This same idea with karma in Buddhism, uh, of course, the cognitive action is what creates this deep um, karma, this deep action, this deep um, effect within ourselves, and it can actually keep us from being able to follow the path of Buddhism as we see that in other practices and other admonitions from the Buddha, such as the the five uh, you know, such as killing your parents or wounding a sage or causing a disruption in the Sangha. There there are some levels of killing uh, that are uh, considered to burn or destroy your Buddha seed uh, for this life. So therefore, you can see what the seriousness of this is. And again, in the human form, we as being humans are seen as uh, th- that killing is more blameworthy because we have the conscious awareness. We're not simply following instinct, even though we have the instinctive behavior of uh, of animals as part of our ten realms, our ten minds. Um, but because we are also able to cultivate virtue, uh, this is seen as more blameworthy than other uh, beings, for instance. Okay, And they also we need to keep into mind that there there are many ways in which this offense can be carried out and it's interesting by ourselves okay by getting somebody else to do it by some weapon okay by poison by magic even that's taken into consideration or by even some abilities such as psychic power now, that may seem ridiculous, but again, it's all coming back to the intention that actually if we are hating so much with people that we are uh, that we do it by our own hand because we're we're angry enough or we instigate someone else by some false speech uh, or some uh, incorrect information that causes the death of someone else. Therefore, because of our lack of consideration, we were unaware how our actions have created this terrible karma. So therefore, as you can see, it would be quite difficult uh, in order for one to properly prepare their mind or prepare their bodies or prepare their spirit with such an offense to practice correct meditation. So I'd like all of you to take into consideration the concept of killing. Now, uh, I've given you some insight for it, but again, this can be killing in our relationships. This can be killing in our speech, our lack of consideration of speech, uh, or through our direct actions of violence. So nonviolence 
uh, as Guruji, the uh, founder of the Nippon Zamyohoji, said, is the foundation of all Buddhism. Hence, he established his group of Nippon Zamyohoji on the idea of nonviolence and also protesting nonviolence, such as uh, nuclearization, uh, etc., uh, the armament of different uh, countries. And going to this true idea of world peace, because as we find out, world peace is not an external concept, it's an internal concept. And world peace begins with you, within your life, within your family, within your community, okay? And so therefore, this is why Buddhism can truly realize and claim world peace uh, as its mission. So thank you very much for your time. Namo Myoho Renge-kyo. Thank you, everyone, and thank you for again for joining me for the discussion and lecture on the second precept. That is to refrain from taking what is not given. Now, a lot of people uh, may understand the simplicity of this. However, there are many deeper meanings that when we think about uh, the idea of stealing, and again, this is our practice of Buddhism, is to delve deeper into our actions and motivations. Um, when we observe this precept, it can definitely be a source of happiness and, and to change things in our life. For example, knowing that we are aware that we have not hurt others by stealing from them is a form of happiness and self-respect. And knowing that we're a person that can be deemed trustworthy and safe and that others do not have to fear that we will steal from them, that they can trust us. Because as you know, in this world, there are many people uh, who are untrustworthy. And you perhaps in your life have experienced people stealing from you. And so, we, what motivates us for this precept is our sense of humanity. And this is because we, again, going back to the first precept of not killing, uh, we see that do unto others as we wish to have them done unto us. If we keep this big mind of the world as a family, and just as we would not steal from our own parents or children, we cannot, with our physical bodies, steal from others, unless it is offered. It's actually a sensitivity that is found within Buddhist cultures. And it's interesting because we have not cultivated deep enough here. We also find out that there is definitely within the Buddhist tradition a much higher standard and greater clarity for this uh, moral precept than just not stealing. From the standpoint, things have to be clearly and freely offered to us before we're able to take it. Uh, this precludes relying on any ambiguity, deceit, force, exploitation, or intimidation to acquire what we want. No matter how small or how low in monetary value it may be, if it isn't given, we cannot receive it. See, this precept extends to not just even borrowing something without permission. Now, if we look, now this is a very interesting point because actually in Japan, uh, to take something that is not offered, no matter how small it may be, is considered stealing. And when I was going over the uh, to Japan, I was watching a video concerning foreigners. And specifically, they were mentioning to um, Chinese 
visitors that if you saw a bicycle and you're tired of walking and need a bicycle and you see a bicycle that looks like it hasn't been touched in a hundred years, it's rusty, looks like nobody owns it, that actually taking that would be considered theft and many people have been arrested concerning that. So this is a much deeper concept of taking what is not given. Okay, Now, the second precept can also be applied to how we consume things. And that what that means is that we would have to refrain from buying anything that originates from a people who haven't been given the correct payment for their labor or the use of resources that perhaps have been stolen. Um, so, for an example, you you wouldn't buy, uh, you would have, you wouldn't be able to purchase clothes that we know to be made in sweatshops, and that the people there have been forced or coerced into working uh, to create these clothes. Now, again, you know, relying on ignorance is no uh, excuse for breaking the law. The concept of the of these precepts are that not necessarily that there will be some divine retribution. But in the sense that when we do not take even these small parts of our lives seriously, we actually create karma. And this karma hinders us from being able to deepen our meditation, to deepen our practice. That's why this is the beginning, uh, the preparatory practices before we actually study and practice. Because without this, uh, it is so easy for our practice to become uh, stagnant or else uh, go off to the wrong way. Um, so taking what is not given can also relate to services. So as we know, relationships are very complex and we can easily motivate people by fear to do things that they would otherwise prefer not to do. That's cohesion. So they go, they get people to do it based on fear. Um, People who say feel as if they cannot say no. Uh, also, in any relationship, this is a situation which we have to, not in just what somebody else has done, in that we do not uh, practice this as well when we get people to support us, that we do not uh, motivate them through fear uh, and then taking away their consent. So we should ask ourselves deeply if when we're doing, when we're getting somebody to support us or help us, is that if the other person is doing something for us out of a sense of us, uh, of cohesion, so basically us uh, trying to uh, get them to do it based on what we know are their fears, etc., and that we need to ask ourselves, and we'll see this again in another precept concerning free will. Uh, in that they have made this the, the conscious idea that they wish to do this and that we are not, in our way, trying to uh, con them into doing uh, what we would like them to do. And, and that is very essential for us. And again, it's very important that when we take these precepts, uh, that we understand that there is this word training that implies that we're working towards understanding. Um, this is not a vow of ethical purity that one is obligated to live up to, as I stated before. Rather, it is an intention that we wish to 
uh, grow this part of our life knowing that it affects ourselves during our practice. Now, the um, as, as training, the second precept can be put into three kinds of training. That is first restraint, character, and understanding. And these are, of course, linked to the three elements uh, or aspects of the traditional Buddhist training of virtue, meditation, and wisdom, which we see uh, in our practice and understanding. So first of all, the idea of restraint, that means training ourselves to restrain or to be aware of causing others harm, hence the first precept, not killing. When we are aware of that we are not taking what is not offered, we, invo we, um, we avoid uh, confusing, harming, and upsetting others. That means causing others suffering. And that we have ourselves uh, a happy life of having a clear conscience and knowing that we haven't given any people any cause to be angry with us. That is an amazing way to live because a lot of times we are uh, wondering why people are uh, angry with us. And I believe that by following precepts, we can be very confident in ourselves that we have not done anything uh, necessarily. So we are able to see what is righteous uh, anger towards us and what is unrighteous anger in the sense that they, what is founded anger and what is unfounded anger. Because we know there are many ways in which people try to uh, abuse us as well. And then training is the, of course, the support of your practice, of meditation, of chanting. Um, and that we are able to see clearly and know what impulse we need to take. And that allows us to also look carefully at the nature of each impulse, such as, you know, where is it coming from? Uh, what is behind it? Where, where did this grow from? Maybe a belief or an understanding. And then what justifications do we take things that aren't offered? How do we believe that we're right in doing that? Or even if they are given to us, are we taking them for what purpose? Uh, and, and this is also very uh, important to realize because a lot of times this comes to the idea of, of uh, simplicity, that just because something is free doesn't mean you have to take it. So we really need to understand, and this allows us to go deeper into what actually is motivating us. And then, in particular, it is useful to explore the, read, uh, the roles of greed and selfishness that are these really strong impulses in our life uh, to take or want to acquire things that have not been given to us. And then finally, as I said, character. Uh, this is a developing our character, our disposition. So naturally, this has a effect on our life and the interaction with others. Um, this becomes a precept of action by engaging in those mental and physical activities that should transform us inside and out. So again, to be aware, to be mindful, we use our meditative practices in order to see this because a lot of times we simply act out of instinct and that's where we get into trouble. So living by the second precept is also a prompt to grow our generosity and goodwill and, and support of others.